It's hard to remember a time when search didn't exist for real estate. But back in the early 2000s, before Google Maps and Zillow were solving problems for search, there weren't a lot of solutions for harnessing the power of the web. Along came Garen Selican. He decided to take the initiative. He was an agent based in Portland, Oregon, and he developed a set of tools that eventually became HomeQuest, one of the first map-based technology platforms for real estate. Today, Garen is bringing his problem-solving mindset and love of tech to Realty, one of Portland's premier real estate companies. And unlike many brokerages, Realty offers its agents a full in-house marketing platform, supporting their relationship building and listing promotion from start to finish with a dedicated team of professionals. And Garen's approach seems to be working, and the company currently supports 140 agents and continues to grow quickly. In this interview, Garen tells us how his experience as both an agent and a developer has helped him craft the perfect practice for his team and explains why you don't have to go to extraordinary lengths to give clients an extraordinary experience. This is Jenny Weimer with the Weimer Group of Keller Williams. This is Tom Ferry, CEO. Tom Ferry, your coach. Hi, this is Garen Selican with Emerald out in Portland, Oregon, and you are listening to the Marketing Genius Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Genius Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes with the most brilliant real estate professionals and brands to uncover the latest digital marketing tools and tricks for your online arsenal. Now, here are your hosts, Seth Price and Matt Barbet. Garen, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I have watched you for quite a few years, actually, and just been so impressed in how you operate on many levels, which I'd like to dive into. So welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Um, so, you know, in your words, one, I'd like you to tell us just a little bit about, you know, what you're doing at M Realty and what things sets you apart from your competitors in Portland. Sure. Um, the, the short, I think is the short answer to that is, is I really, um, try to look at the agent's life on a daily basis and look for ways for the brokerage to take over elements of the agent's practice in order to free the agent up to focus on the correct, uh, things for where they're trying to get their practice to go and do that in a way that's individualized, not kind of standard, here's the way we want you to do it and interact with us and grow your practice. And they're supposed to kind of adhere to a set structure. We look at each agent as an individual and then try to build out the resources that would help that agent. And really, I'd say the main thing that we're doing is, is, is really focused on economies of scale. How do we, how do we actually take over operations that an agent would normally have to conduct within their practice uh, when we could do it better, more efficiently, more cost-effective, and free them up to then apply that energy towards something that would grow their practice. And we consistently look for ways to do that. That's my, my, my main focus is how do I understand an agent, their practice, what their strengths are, how do I build a very large set of resources that could be applied directly in their practice to ensure they get the practice they're looking for. That sounds like a, a product development or UX UI mindset. Uh, do you have an engineering background? 
Uh, I sort of, I'm not an engineer, but I worked with engineers for years and years in previous jobs. And I have, I have developed software myself yeah. within the real estate industry. So I'm, I'm very product oriented. Got yeah. it. You have a really interesting story. You founded HomeQuest back in 2004 and then got into the production side of real estate afterwards. Um, first of all, tell your audience a bit about HomeQuest. Um, yeah. And I was in production prior to that oh, okay. as well. I didn't so realize I, that. Yeah. So I, um, uh, and I had been exposed to GIS software, um, and I'd worked for a software um, development Ex explain company. Explain that yeah. for folks that don't know. Uh, GIS, you know, gosh, I don't even know what it stands for. Honestly, it was geographical information services. That's I believe exactly, it is. Yeah, that's exactly. And so it. it's, you know, it's just, it's a way to, um, work with data that is related spatially. Um, so that, you know, the simplest thing is I, I, I understood that, Portland's made up of little neighborhoods. And if I took out a Sharpie and drew it on a map, I could draw that shape and I could look at that map in paper and go, wow, I wish I could just hit, hit that paper with my finger and see all the listings for sale and have it be accurate. Well, now that's commonplace, but when I developed HomeQuest, Google Maps didn't even exist yet. Yeah. Right. And so I built an interactive property search map using ArcGIS, which is this massive gnarly program to build um, a system where I could pull the MLS data over. I could build a map of Portland with all the little neighborhoods, micro markets that made up Portland, and I could produce a map and I could send that map to my clients. And I built this just for myself as an agent, actually. So I could send a map to my clients rather than building queries and, and, and sending a whole bunch of searches, which just was a nightmare and not even, you know, just wasn't effective. Um, and so I, and then it just snowballed from there into a back end, and I got investors and we built up a bunch of cities and it was, so it was super early on in yeah. using interactive maps. It's two to, years before Zillow. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I, I mean, was, I, I was really stupid. I built <laughs> Zillow before Zillow and, uh, and I, have, I just, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a problem I have actually. Yeah. Like I, like I, I only think of things from the agent's perspective and I was never able to look up and go, wait a minute, what would, what would, what I made, how would I apply what I made to a focused. bigger project yeah, and, the, yeah. you know, but whatever, I, I'm happy with where I am. So and that's all, that's an interesting point that you make, which is, um, we often look at whatever the current success is. So we could look at Zillow as the largest portal in our space and go, oh, they just sort of like came out of nowhere. But there were probably seven other iterations of that with other companies that they just copied. And, well, they, and yeah, focused. Just like what I made, I just copied from yeah. some other industry that I had been, it's, it's, you know, it's just, it's all this building on top of stuff. Yeah, it's, um, I talk about this, the idea of modeling is so crucial. You know, we're like apes, right? We see, you know, a monkey climb and swing from a tree. We're like, oh, I guess I can do that. And then down on a day-to-day -day really tactical level is being conscientious about your modeling allows you to level up a lot quicker yeah. because you choose models that are, you know, two, three, four steps ahead of you. And you go, oh, I want to be like that. You don't have to replicate it exactly, but you can go in that direction. Yeah. Um, so what made you decide to make the transition back into production? Well, it was really, you know, I, I was never able to get the software company where I wanted it to go. Yeah. And, um, and I, and I realized what I had built 
you know, the thing was really built, like it was great for, for each seat, right? Like mm-hmm. an agent had this and they were working with their clients and I sold to them and that was my customer. It was just really, really hard for me to sell enough of it that way to make yeah. good money. Yep. And, and I had, and I, and I didn't get some kind, did, did well with a, a few companies where we did it for the company. But I, I, you know, I realized that because I didn't get some big contracts that I was really one contract actually that I was in line, that I thought maybe I could win with HomeQuest. You know, I just didn't build it as an enterprise solution. I didn't build it right. I didn't know how to build it. It was just for the agent. Yeah. And so, um, it, it kind of was like, I was frustrated and, uh, I just wanted to make more money and yeah. to do something I enjoyed. And so we started in realty and just had a, one practice, which was my ex-wife's practice and her and I worked together on it. And then we had an assistant and, and then we we're developing, I was kept developing and using HomeQuest and as a, as a person again, but I still had all my software company. And so I still had all the developers. So basically I could develop whatever I wanted mm. really to my own needs. Yeah. And then some other agents saw it and then they came over to M and then we were 16, 17 agents. And, and I started to kind of, as I was developing HomeQuest again, I had some ideas and then I would go speak at Inman and we'd sell, you know, we made an IDX version of what our, our original interactive map was. And so it just kind of started to snowball, um, in, in, in that way. And then, and then we kind of had, you know, we, we ended up having a design firm really because people were hiring us to build their websites out not just the IDX plugin that we had made that was attached to HomeQuest. And so we started doing design work for people for hire. We had, you know, 17 agents at M. We had my ex-wife's practice and that was going pretty well. And, um, and then we had our little software company and still had, you know, whatever it was, a couple, you know, 1,200 subscribers or whatever. And so that was kind of, we just kind of simmered like that for yeah. a while. And then one day it was like, I think we're a brokerage. (laughs) I think we're going to, we're we're a brokerage. Like this is actually what we like. And I was frustrated selling the software and, and the design firm. And it just kind of naturally kind of on its own kind of just melted away. And we were like, well, why don't we build this thing? This is nice. I don't have to travel. And yeah. And then it took us quite a while to figure out how to grow the brokerage rate, 140 something agents now. And it was, it was really, really difficult to go from just a, a, basically a band of friends to, I mean, to go from 17 to 40 was excruciating. Yeah. And then, and then we kind of figured out our way and then it was, we kind of figured out how to go to 40 to 70 and 70 now to 140 and we'll be, you know, I don't know what we'll be at the end of this year, 180 or something. Yeah. And then, uh, so now it's kind of, we kind of have found who we are really. And, um, and so it's, it's working really well. That's awesome. There seems to be these sort of management thresholds that happen at a certain number of folks, like, you know, 17 to 25 folks, you can know everybody's name. You can understand their strengths and their weaknesses. You can manage individually 25 to 50. That gets really, really tough. And if the systems aren't in place, you start churning and then 50 to 75 is super, super painful because you have no way to grade people. Like it's, and what's interesting is it's not just real estate. That's like pick a business. Yeah. That's the same challenge. Yeah. And we're going through another challenge now and that, you know, a lot of the people that, you know, a lot of people that are here 
I mean, we have almost 40 staff members in 140 agents. We have almost, you know, we have almost 200 people here. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, I used to coach the agents individually. And so there's definitely these transitions of me moving away from a certain role in the company. And I was attached to the agents directly by coaching and working on their production, developing programs off of that interaction. And now I've had to move out of that into yeah. how do I create a management structure in the company so we can function and grow? And how do I get good at looking at financials, which I just can't stand it. I mean, I just hate it. I don't yeah. like to, I don't like to spend time with our CFO because yeah. I'd rather be making something cool. And so, <laughs> you know, but he's like, we don't have any money to make anything cool because you spent it all. I'm like, damn it. I hate it when that happens. And so, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's interesting. These transitions definitely like I struggle with them and I know that everyone around me struggles with them. So we just try to do the best we can to recognize that we're, we are transitioning and these are the things that people could feel and these are the, the disconnections that, that happen and that people don't like that. And I don't either, but yeah. we, if we're going to grow, we have to make it through these. And, and then we try to just try to talk about it and work on it. Yeah. So. We are, um, co-founder Frederick Towns, who, uh, one is amazing and he used to be at Mashable. He was, uh, Pete Cashmore. It was his, I think first or second hire, but he was their CTO. And he says, there's this bitter pill that you have to take on a regular basis, which is about applying yourself to the parts of your business you don't like. Yes. And that's it. <laughs> it's, yeah. Like, yeah. it's like, no one likes to take it, but you got to take it if you want to succeed. Yeah. I just uh, think about getting back to my happy place, you know, <laughs> I, like someday, like I have a plan to get back where I spend almost all of my brain power on making stuff that I like to make. Yeah. Cause that's really, I'm a, pro, I, I'm a product person and yeah. this is the industry I know. And where I'm happiest is, is working directly with agents that I really like and trying to solve problems for them in order for them to have the practice they like. And yeah. that's where I'm happiest. And so, you know, I have this long range plan of getting back to my development lab someday and having that be what I do. You know, in the meantime, I can dabble with it and I can spend time yeah. that I, I got to, you know, like you said, I got to swallow those pills yeah. and then show up and, and do a good job. Yeah. So, so let's talk marketing. Um, one of the things I love about M Realty is that you really see to have a strong sense of brand, like who you are, who your customers are. And when I say who your customers are, you've clearly articulated that there's, there's two customers, right? There's the consumer yes. and then there's the individuals that you are hoping to attract, uh, to M. So how did that, how did that come about? Well, I mean, it seems pretty obvious to me. I mean, like if we want to build a great company, which I, I want to do because I'm going to be dead someday and I want to work on something I, I, I give a shit about is, yeah. you know, if we're going to build a great company, you got to start to really look at what does that mean? And I want to have a great product. So the product really, as far as the general public is concerned, is the product is actually the advocacy of the agents that work here towards them. That is the product. I mean, we have no inventory. We don't sell houses. Mm -hmm. We're helping people. We're facilitating other people's transfer of their properties. And whether or not they think we're a great agent really has everything to do with how they feel in the process, not really whether or not we got them an extra $700 on a repair addendum or whatever. All this stuff just kind of disappears into the ether once this is over. What they remember is how they were cared for and how they felt and, and that. So, so first of all, I know that 
that if we're going to have a great company, I need agents here who are primarily focused on advocacy for their clients and that that's really kind of how they're wired. Mm -hmm. So there's that as a, as a product and then their ability to help people advocate for the buyers and sellers. So that's one, one product. The product that I'm selling directly is the agent. Yeah. You know, my, my product to the agent is that what I tell people is my product is you getting the practice that you like, mm. right? Period. Yeah. yeah. That the product at M is you get a practice that, that you enjoy and you like and you're satisfied with and you're happy. That's the product. Production is only one component of that overall mix. So, so if I, I basically say, if, if you don't get that, we have failed. Yeah. Period. There, that makes complete sense. There's um, a, a dear friend of mine, Robert Rose, who wrote this book, Experiences, you know, the seventh uh, level of marketing. Like we've had all of these stages of marketing. And the thesis is, is that we don't sell anything anymore because everything is in, in many ways a commodity. But mm -hmm. if we create an experience for the participants, then mm -hmm. that is what we are selling. Yes. That's the promise and the delivery and, and the sort of the, the ramifications of that are testimonials and referrals and repeat business and all that stuff. I agree. And what I see our agents trying to do when they hear that is somehow craft something extraordinary. <laughs> right. And I'm like, how, what, like, it's like what you, in my, in my opinion, extraordinary is you really focusing on what your clients needs and getting very good at caring for them in the process. It's not creating some amazing experience, right? Yeah. Like it's, 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 when you, you know, set expectations, understand what their needs are, care for them as human beings. Yeah. Right. You know, and then, and then if you have a chance to plus something and give a little extra and that maybe it could be as simple as calling and saying, you know, I realize we're in a difficult situation. There's no, there's nothing we need to address right now. I just want to check in to see how you're doing. Yeah. Are, are you okay? How, yeah. how are, you know, like that is extraordinary. Not, I get back to people in six seconds and, and I always, you know, do this thank you gift or whatever. It's like, it's like, it's almost like trying too hard, you know, yeah. and, and not understanding that fundamentally what this is about is how people feel in the process and don't try to cookie cutter it, try to appreciate each person. And, and that's what we try to do as a company with each agent, the yeah. same, it's, it's one project Yeah, is tr try to get the most out of each of these relationships by, by, with care and understanding and, and advocacy. I want to talk um, about something that I think is really innovative that you're doing there. And that's TrueView. Um, mm -hmm. Tell our audience a little bit about that. Well, this is a, uh, an example of what I was talking about earlier on, you know, economies of scale. Um, I'm pretty good with like, you know, I can take pictures with a good camera and can, you know, I can use, you know, design programs and a little bit of Photoshop, but I'm a hack, right? And I'm better yeah. than most agents, right? Yeah. But I could never get a job doing it. And so that's <laughs> kind of my test is like, <laughs> if I couldn't go get a job doing this, then I am not a professional. If I'm not a professional, there's no way I can provide professional service. So the litmus test. Yes, it's the test, right? So, and that's what I tell all of us. Like, like people will be like, oh, you're the, you know, it's ridiculous. Like I'm the CEO, right? I'm not the CEO. <laughs> 
because I couldn't go get a job as a CEO. So therefore, I am pretending to be a CEO here while I get enough training to maybe someday be a CEO. That's the reality of the situation, right? Yeah. Like, the, you know, the, the, the agent that, that puts CEO on his card, I mean, c- c- the stop. It's yes. ridiculous. Like, unless you can get a job doing that, you don't, you, it doesn't count. So that's kind of the way we look at it. So, so I, we were like, wow, well, what would it take to have actual professional level um, listing marketing? Yeah. And we looked at what our industry does across the board. And then we put up on the wall, Porsche and Adidas and Nike and Nordstrom and Target and a whole bunch of companies that have good branding and marketing. And we looked at it and said, well, our industry isn't professional period. There's not a single instance that we can point to that says that is professional level marketing. If yeah. we put it against these other companies and, uh, and then we started going, well, how on, how on earth would we do that? I want it. I was like, I want it to look like that. And I, I, everyone loves Apple, right? But I look like the modern clean aesthetic. It's just the, the style I like. And so yeah. we, got to work on doing that. And so we built out a marketing department for our agents to call in and have actual professionals building and operating their listing marketing from start to finish. And if you're going to do that, you have to set a quality level. That's the only quality level that is acceptable has to be above that line. And then you have to set a reliability of how reliable is your system in delivering that quality level or above. And then you have to set a time frame. So once you set those things, and if you set them at, like we did, 100% reliability, quality mark that's pretty high given our industry, price point and delivery time that fits with an agent's life, then it becomes our job to figure out how in the hell are you going to do it? And that's what we do. So once we set those things, then we got to work. And you know, if you're going to do that, you need project management. You have to be very good at project management. We had to build our own software actually to follow our process because off the shelf stuff just wouldn't work quite what we needed to do because we got to every five minutes counts in this process. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we got to work and we, and we did it. And now we do, you know, whatever it is, a, a, ton of them every week and we don't really break, break a sweat doing it, but you have to have, you know, you have to know quality assurance. You have to be able to build QA and QC procedures. Yeah. You have to be very good at uh, the order process. You have to understand how to do this. You have to people that have people that look for vulnerabilities. You got to study throughput and peaks and all this stuff. And it's, it's hard. Uh, before you continue, I just want to say for folks, QA is quality assurance and QC is quality control. Right. Um, Sorry. No, no, that's, you know, Garen's really talk. you're talking, which is exactly how I think in a software company, you know, how we think about everything, right. but in the day-to-day service economy, it's not always how people think about it. Well, yeah, because I mean, we have a, we have product and all this, we learned this as from being a software company, like I said, like we, we learned early on, like you can't let bugs accumulate, right? If you, if you don't, do if you're not diligent on this was you know a while ago when we were doing this but i mean there you know how many browsers are there and how many operating systems are there and how many combinations are there of all that and if you don't stamp out bugs and keep on top of things your existing software i mean i was always like why did our software work yesterday and not today i don't understand like <laughs> the code the code is the same and like I, and i could never like i could i still can't really understand it my my lead developer is like oh you don't understand how many paths go through and it loops one path and it changes one thing and then you and i was like i don't even care i, I can't even think like that but you know 
but the idea that I've always said I carried away from that is like, you know, you, you've, you've got to be building for stability and you can't let the bugs accumulate and you can't get a bunch of sputtering prototypes that you're running because then all of your, you, you reach this spot where all of your energy is just in maintenance and you, you can do nothing to move forward. Yeah. Um, and so that's where we really, you know, burned into my brain, my brain, like you, you better be great at project management. You better be great at QAQC. Otherwise, you know, you just, it, everything is a good idea and you get it off the ground. It's great at 2040 agents, but there's no way in how you can ever move it forward from there. Yeah. Ideas are cheap. Yep. Um, so, you know, we talk so much about what's working for folks on the show. I want to ask about the opposite. What, what's a marketing strategy that hasn't worked? Like what if, what initiative have you taken on in the past that, you know, all of a sudden you're like, um, okay, we got to bail on this. Oh, one really striking one was I was, I was, you know, early on when everyone was talking about blogging, right. And that this was a way that you were going to build relationships with consumers by engaging them with your content and that they were going to view you as the experts and they were going to have a personal connection to you. And that, that somehow that was going to cause them to want to reach out to you when it was time to sell their house. And I mean, I built massive websites and I had, I actually had people, you know, we were generating contact content every day. We had tons of engagement. We'd put some viral piece of content out and we'd get this huge spike and it would get on one of these pieces, little posts that we put out. I think it, I can't remember. We made it to Rolling Stone or something like that. And we got a, you know, bazillion hits and, there was nothing there. Yeah. Like there literally was nothing there. And what we learned from that was there actually, well, I shouldn't say there was nothing there. The only way that did anything for us, and we did make some money off of it eventually, but, but the only way it worked was if you had a really, really specific niche, like mid-century modern homes or something like that, and you did content around that over time and get an email newsletter. And over time, you were cultivating a very like-minded group that was very specific and niche Then in fact, that now has produced a few practices here that really make a lot of money off of the back of that type of content production and engagement with a community. Yeah. Um, that actually worked, but all the rest of it that was kind of more just like, like top of the funnel, exposing like it somehow, like I'm just the people just like me are going to find me and it's going to be awesome. And they're going to love me because I'm me. Like, guess what? We're not that different. <laughs> like, yeah. like oh, we're not that special. We think we are, but we're a dime a dozen, all of us human beings, quite frankly. And so like it just, that didn't work at all. What did work at the time was that content with those backlinks and that kind of stuff actually did contribute to, if we repurpose some of that um, search engine juice back then towards um, ranking property searches with yeah. reg registration, then we could actually do that. But that was in our market. It was also very limited. You could game Google at the time. You yeah. Spam, you could spam your way to the top and we were, we got really good at that. Um, and it was a house of cards because, yeah. you know, the Google was telling us the whole time when we go to the conferences, we know what you're doing. We're going to be smarter than you soon and you're all going to be screwed. And we were like, yeah, but if I do what you say, then I don't make any money next week. So we'll just keep what we're doing. <laughs> and then it all came to an end. I can't remember what the update was, but they did a couple of updates. And then all of us that were doing that all disappeared. And, you know, thankfully we had hedged our bet at that point because we, we figured they weren't lying and we figured they were way smarter than us. So, yeah. but I those were, you know, we spent so much time and I was so convinced at the time that that was, we were going to 
to be able to, you know, really make something. And then once we started studying it, it was like, no, this is stupid. Yeah. So. I think the, you know, the whole content piece has really evolved in the, and those that are doing it in the way that you talk about, which is, Hey, you're very niche specific. You talk to a very specific audience and you leverage the content regardless of the, of the medium in the channels that your customers are using. So whether it's leveraged like on the web or on your site or in email or in the social channels, it is really directed and very specific. Mm -hmm. We see that you know, being so successful and we leverage it, you know, at yeah. Play Store, you know, we, yeah, but it's, yeah, I'm, but not, it's I'm not sure I really understand. Like, I don't, I don't have any direct experience with that other than the couple of practices that were so niche. We could reach the audience through some channels and it, it did kind of work, but I, I don't really feel like I have any real marketing expertise around that yeah. approach really. It, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a very, it's a tool, right? It's another strategy. Yep. And, and if applied correctly to the right market and for the right audience, it's super effective. And if not, mm. it's like, you know, you're sp spinning your wheels, doing a lot of stuff and not getting a lot of return. Yeah. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about recruiting, uh, mostly because, well, one, I love your recruiting site. I just think it's, Oh, thank you. Yeah. And so, in many ways, it's counter to what you just said. The content on the site is talking to me and I feel it like I feel like, wow, I wish like I had my license for five years. I wish that when I was looking for a place to hang my license, that this site had existed because I would have gone there. Oh, thank you. Which is really yeah. great. <laughs> That's um, good to hear that feedback. No, it's it's great. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really written for humans and it's written with an empathetic voice and it's written to a specific person and a that that has some um, that has values that I think are really in line with what I hear you saying yours are. Um, so, super impressed. I want to hear a little bit about how you think about recruiting. Well, yeah, it's um well, I, and I really appreciate those words about, cause we, that's what we're trying to do. It's like, I want to be able, like, I feel like we understand agents and that we have a massive amount of empathy for what agents go through on a daily basis to try to be successful enough to stay in business and to be successful enough to be able to take care of themselves and their family and that it can be really isolating and really hard to be an agent. And we just don't get much support or empathy from, from anyone, yeah. quite frankly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the perspective we come from. Like, like I like agents. I think we're an awesome group of people. I think we're really well-meaning and like, so it comes from this place, our whole system. And then our recruiting comes from a place of empathy and understanding and a really strong desire to help them not just succeed transactionally, but to be happy in this practice. And so, so in that we, we know, and, and like I said earlier, what we're really looking for is that the, the, the practices that I admire are based on advocacy. I could care less about your volume. The fact that you sold 50 houses to me means nothing, like yeah. literally nothing. I've been around thousands of practices. I've built some myself. You know, we, us, agents get, us agents get such a big ego and it's like, oh, I'm running a business. Well, if you're running a business, it's really shitty business because it's tiny and it's under-resourced and, and it's just not much of a business. It's really yeah. a practice in my mind, even yeah. a team. Yep. And so, you know, we're really just trying to say, okay, 
we know what we're looking for and we're trying to speak to that subset of agents yeah. through our, and so then in the recruiting, we want to make sure we're, we're trying to articulate our values and who we are and what we provide through the site. And then on the recruiting side, we have multiple channels of outreach where we're just really saying, hey, you know, are you curious about what we're doing here? Because we'd love to just show you what we're doing. And the worst thing that happens is we, we both learn more about each other and maybe you'll join Emeraldy yeah. if, if it's a good fit. Yeah. And so we just try to say that often every day, right? Mm -hmm. And then we also want to hit our numbers. So you got to figure out like, how do you, you know, it's not any different than we coach real estate agents. Like how many real estate conversations did you have this week? If it's none, you did not move your practice forward. <laughs> if you're right? not talking to people, you're probably not going to sell any houses. Houses do not sell houses. <laughs> the people that live in them sell them. So unless you're talking to those people, you really have no chance of selling any of those homes. Yeah. So it's the same thing is like, if, you know, if we're not talking to X number of agents about what we're doing here at M Realty and seeing if it might be a good fit each week, then we're probably not going to grow at the pace we want to grow. And then we're going to have a hard time developing the programs that we want to develop because we're not going to be able to have that revenue. Yeah. So that's just our approach to recruiting. And then you're just always open and flexible about what what's the best path to those real estate conversations given where we're at and the people we have working here. And then it's the same thing as an agent. You know, what's the best path for Susan? to have real estate conversations versus Bob. Yeah. And so it's just, in my mind, this whole thing's just one project. Yeah. You it's know. very cool. So one of the things that I like to think about is that when I put on the hat of an agent, what are the questions that they should be asking themselves when searching for a home to, to have their practice? Well, I think it depends. I think it, it depends on where you are in your career for one thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's, it's hard if you're, it, when before, if you're brand new and don't have any experience, it's hard to know what you don't know, yeah. right? And so, I think the main thing I would say to that group would be, you know, make sure that wherever. First of all, make sure wherever you're going feels right, but make sure that the that when you ask how you're going to obtain the actual skills necessary to function as a very good agent, a competent agent out in the world, how specifically is the brokerage going to make sure you obtain those skills? Mm, that's a good and, question. Yeah. And then ask them how reliable are they in, in their, for their, you know, how reliable are they in their agents obtaining those skills? How like, success, what's their success yeah, rate? Yeah. Success rate in, in, in the skill level. Cause I yeah. mean, this, this isn't that complicated really. Like you must get the skills to be able to write a sales agreement and the addenda and the counters and that kind of is a basic skill set you must have. Yeah. How are you going to make sure that I obtain that skill set? What is your program? What is that going to look like? And when do you expect me to be competent? And then how specifically are you going to support me in that while I am learning? You know, if this takes me three months to get up and going, how are you going to support me in the interim? Yeah. Like if you don't have that, you're screwed. Yeah. Right. And then on the other thing I would say is, is how are you going to help me develop my business? Yeah. What specifically is your plan for me and to develop the practice into what I'm hoping it is? And it's either, it's going to be a handful of things, right? I mean, our industry typically is going to say, well, you're going to, you know, 
I mean, the, the worst brokerages, in my opinion, are the ones that are like, oh, well, if you come here, we're so prestigious and we're so artists are successful that you just can't help but being successful because you're around successful people. I'm like, okay, well, that's stupid. Yeah, um, we've seen that uh, fail. Yeah, we've seen that fail. And, it, you know, so that's just, and it's just, that's just garbage, right? But, and then, you know, but, but what specific programs is it mentoring? Is it, is there, are there classrooms? You know, what are you going to do to help me, one, develop my practice into something that works for me, and two, obtain the skills to function within that practice? Yeah. And unless you can get a straight answer to those questions, I would keep looking. Yeah. And if you see them start to kind of be shifty about it, and then, you know, and they can't pin it down, then they don't have a program for new agents. They're just trying to get you in there and get you around somebody and hope you make it. And they're kind of, now you're the law of the jungle. And that's not, I, I just don't think that's right, quite yeah. frankly. Yeah. So, it, you know, that's what I would say for newer, newer agents. And then experienced agents who have more, they're able to see a little bit better of what, you know, they know what their practice looks like now. They've been around some real estate. They have an they have an idea of what they might want this practice to look like in the future. And you can start to work with them on then, okay, well, how would we work together for me to have the practice that I would like? You know, because that's really the product in my mind. Yeah. Your brokerage is the environment for you to obtain the practice that you like. Yeah. In this particular brokerage, as you're evaluating it, do you understand and can you articulate where you'd like to go? And then when you articulate that to the, to the brokerage, what are, how are they going to actually help you do it? Yeah. And that's the way I would, that's the way I would interview a brokerage. Those are great, great questions. Um, I think that we often don't, tr well, one, we don't ask enough questions. Like when we go into things, we don't ask those questions that make people a little uncomfortable on the other side because mm -hmm. not everyone is going to have the right answer and you're, no. going to, you're going to make people uncomfortable. And that's a good thing because then you see how they're going to act when your expectations are not being met. Yeah, absolutely. And, and are they just, you know, are they just selling you? Yeah. I mean, are they just selling you on an idea or yeah. can't, do they have the capability to, to actually help you? Because, you know, in my mind, you know, the, when, when we make a sale, you know, I, I view an agent joining M as our sales point. Yeah. Right. So it takes a lot of work and effort to finally have a sale. And so I want to make damn sure that that is a good fit because the realization of the revenue from that sale doesn't happen at that moment. Yeah. I look at five years. So I've got, you know, I've got, wow, this sale is 125,000 sale I just made yesterday. Yeah. Now I have an obligation to fulfill the promise I made to this agent and craft an environment where they in fact are going to succeed and be happy and stay with me for five years. And then I will realize about $125,000 in that relationship. If, if I don't do that, I don't deserve that revenue yeah. because I didn't fulfill my promise. Yeah. And so you, and you wasted you, a lot of time. Wasted a lot of time. And so the, the idea that, that the agent should be so lucky to be at XYZ brokerage and then the brokerage gets to make a hundred percent margin on them because they're really not doing a damn thing into their practice seems ludicrous to me. Yeah. Yeah. Karen, um, I've really enjoyed this conversation. What's the best way for folks to find out more about you? 
Um, I think you can uh, Google Emerilty Portland and you will find the sites that you found. That's yeah. probably the easiest way to go. <laughs> and you'll find the you'll find that recruiting site probably there in the in the first couple of results, and you'll find the the site that we have facing the public, and you'll see me on there, and you can obviously reach out to me if you'd like to have any questions or whatever, and and check it out. That sounds great, and I'll also put it in the show notes. Garen, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Genius Podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to write us a review on the iTunes store. For our full episode archive and access to exclusive bonus content, visit us online at playster.com podcast. If you have feedback about Marketing Genius or want to suggest topics and guests for future shows, drop us a line at podcast at playster.com. Don't settle for mediocre marketing. Become a marketing genius and start growing your real estate business online. The Marketing Genius Podcast is brought to you by Playster, the digital marketing platform for real estate professionals, brands, and organizations of all kinds. With beautiful websites, lead management tools, marketing automation, and an academy featuring the latest tools and tips, Playster offers real estate professionals everything they need to succeed online. Learn more at Playster.com.